support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Common Ground Radio with your host CJ Walk is up next. Good morning and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and agriculture here in the state of Maine, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is CJ Walk and I am your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. here on WERU. And today, the topic for today's show, we will be talking about homesteading here in Maine. Homesteading is typically viewed as a model of self-sufficiency, where homesteaders look to produce, create, or harness all or most of all the items or processes that are part of their daily lives. Most often, homesteaders are thought of people who live off the land and grow most of their own food, but it goes a lot further than food, where homesteaders are also producing their own heat, electricity, energy, shelter, water, and even community uh, to varying degrees there. And homesteading is also a political act. It's a lifestyle and it's a statement and it's a way of focusing on what is truly important and necessarily necessary in our lives. So for today's show, I have a few guests with me here in the studio. And before we get to introductions and discussion, I'd like to make listeners aware of a few uh, food and farming related events that are coming up soon that folks may find of interest here uh, in our community. So on May 7th, there is Swan's Honey Open Hive Day. That's a Saturday running from 10 to 3 p.m. And this is going to be out at 332 Bessie Ridge Road in Albion. There will be live bees on the premises and demonstrations and hands-on workshops uh, during the course of that day. So please RSVP by email if you're interested to swanshoney at roadrunner.com. And a rain day is set for Sunday, May 8th, the day after that. Uh, on May 14th is the Belfast Garden Club's 2016 Green Thumb Plant Sale. And that is also on a Saturday, running from 9 a.m. to noon, down at the Belfast Boathouse, which is on 34 Commercial Street in Belfast. And for more information, you can contact Mary Davis at 617-678-9807 or mary.davis92 at verizon.net. And then later in the month, <clears throat> on May 24th and 25th, is the Organic Farming Principles and Practices class. This is at MOFCA's Common Ground Education Center in Unity, and it's a two-day immersion course on the fundamental principles and practices of organic farming. And for more information, you can contact the MOFCA office at 568-4142 or look on the website uh, www.mofka.org. And then looking into early June, on June 11th is the Farm and Homestead Day at Mofka, and that is on a Saturday, and this runs all day from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Mofka's Common Ground Education Center in Unity. And you can learn skills for resilient living through face-to-face, hands-on activities, Nearly all workshops are participatory, so be prepared to get your hands dirty. 
and we may hear a little more about that event during the show today. <clears throat> um, but those are a few events. Uh, feel free to, when we open up the lines later, if people need more information for the contact for those events, you can give us a call when we open the lines about halfway through the show. But for now, we'll get into our topic for the day, the day today, which is homesteading here in Maine. And I have three guests with me here in the studio. And I'll briefly introduce each of them, and then we'll get into kind of talking about what these folks do and why. So first, I'll introduce uh, Jason Tessier, who is from Skowhegan and has been homesteading for 15 years or so with his family at Tessier's Farm over in Skowhegan. Thank you for being here today, Jason. Thank you. And then uh, we have Kathy Gaskin from Morrill, who is working on developing her own homestead in the early stages, it seems. So thanks for being here today, Kathy. Thank you, CJ. And then Elizabeth Siegel is also here. She is from Appleton, and her and her family are at Heritage Home Farm. Um, and we'll hear a little bit more about what they do. So thanks for being here, Thank Elizabeth. You. So I think um, we'll kind of, to start off, I'll just kind of ask each of you to just give a kind of brief, you know, few minute rundown of where you are in the world and what you're up to, um, just so people can hear a little bit more about, about what each of you are doing. And I think, Jason, I would look to you, and you can be the first one to go. Well, I, our farm is in Skowhegan, Maine. Uh, I've only ever lived in Skowhegan. Uh, you know, I was brought up there, kind of brought up poor, so we always have burned wood and um, lived that type of lifestyle. Uh, after I got married, my wife and I started, you know, our life as nine-to-fivers, I like to call it. We very quickly figured out that that wasn't for us, and, um, you know, we got animals. We raise a lot of our own food. We raise food that we sell to other families in Skowhegan. Um, you know, we heat with wood. Um, pretty, you know, what I would consider homesteading lifestyle. We've been doing it since about 1999. That's when we bought our property. Okay. All right. And Kathy, how about you? Where, are you? where are you in the world these days? Well, we are, my partner Dan and I are building our own house in the middle of the woods in Morrill. And we have been there since early August. And we, dis, we went into homesteading and wanted to do it this way um, just to have a minimal impact on the environment. So a lot of the materials that we are using are recycled materials, reused materials, materials that um, we have salvaged from going into a landfill. Um, and we currently don't have running water, so we do lug in our own water. We lug out our own water at the moment. Um, we have buckets as toilets right now mm -hmm. and um, we do have a little propane and a generator in in the event that we needed it for any reason we very minimally use it we have a small little solar panel that we use for some electricity um, but really it's quiet it's peaceful and so we're just in the process of building a homestead from scratch okay great thanks yeah. and Elizabeth how about uh, you give us a little bit about where you guys are. Yeah, I'm Elizabeth Siegel. Um, we have Heritage Home Farm, which is in Appleton. Um, my husband and myself and our son Samuel 
was just born recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, we specialize in heirloom fruits and vegetables. We bought our land in April of 2013, and we also built our home. Uh, it's a timber frame home. Uh, and neither one of us have a background in farming. Uh, we both actually grew up in the city, but um, decided in 2011 that we thought that was something we would like to try doing. And so we traveled around the United States with the Woof program. Mm-hmm. We woofed on eight different farms, three here in Maine. Um, and we soon realized that Maine was where we wanted to live. Um, we got involved with MAFCA through an internship with Chris and Patty Hamilton. And uh, we fell in love with the fair, and uh, we also interned with a farm in Aurora, Maine, uh, Featherfoot Farm. And we got involved with uh, the Common Ground Fair, doing, um, running the children's uh, table in the Farm and Homestead area. And now we're involved with Farm and Homestead Day. Okay. All right, well, thank you all for being here. Um, appreciate it. So I think getting beyond kind of where you are and what you're doing, um, one question I'd like to ask, and I know people like to hear about is kind of what, what brings you to decide to choose this lifestyle, um, which could be drastically different for some, especially maybe Kathy's current situation, (laughs) but in terms of process and, um, and I think that, uh, just to get an idea of kind of the the mindset or thought behind it and why someone would choose to um, be a little bit off the mainstream path or so. I think if, um, Jason, you mentioned a little bit just growing up having, you know, supplying your own own means. um, Yeah, we we grew up, you know, heating with wood. I bet in 40 years I haven't heated our house with oil for a year combined. and I lived through the flood of 87 in Skowhegan. That was devastating. It, it disrupted water. It disrupted electricity. It disrupted everything, you know, trucking, heating. And we did all right. <laughs> you know, I, I remember it not being that painful. And for other people, it was devastating for their lives. Uh, again, I went through the ice storm here in central Maine. And it was an inconvenience, yeah, but it wasn't the end of our world. And other people, it really you know, with something. And then I've watched other events, you know, Hurricane Katrina, and and that's all reinforced that we're doing the right thing. Uh, and especially once we had kids. My oldest is 12 years old. We, um, you know, once we started looking at raising a family, we wanted to instill those resilient skills in them. Uh, and then we've extended it to our community. We want our community to be resilient. So mm-hmm. we spend a lot of energy trying to help out the greater community so that's a big part of the reason i do what i do yeah okay all right kathy how about how about you and your partner in deciding to uh get landed moral and construct your own home yeah it's been a it's been a long process for both of us and for me i did grow up in a family from farming Um, households and had a vegetable garden growing up I did grow up in a suburban area Um, coming to Maine it was it was a nice change of pace and a nice change of um, stimulation away from the mainstream culture and that was a huge a huge motivating factor in where we're at right now and um, 
we did grow our own food for a while until we moved here to this land. And um, for us, it's it's just it's really about a simpler way of life that requires a lot of hard work, but at the same time, it builds character, it builds community, it builds um, a lot of different qualities within a person that I think, like Jason was saying, develops a resiliency um, for in the event that something were to happen. We're very, we're able to take care of ourselves. We heat with wood. We, you know, we don't, it's, it's amazing how much you realize you don't need mm-hmm. um, and how very simple you can live and very comfortable and how relaxing and peaceful it is. And I think that's a major motivating factor mm-hmm. for, our, for us. Okay. Okay. Elizabeth, for you guys? Yeah, I think it, a lot of it is about self-sufficiency mm-hmm. and um, being two people who grew up um, in the cities. Um, I in my family, you know, we did always try and eat organically, but it was still growing up, living in a city, going to the supermarket. Um, becoming self-sufficient for us has been uh, a really a learning experience. And I think one of the things that we've really learned is that sometimes it isn't just self-sufficiency, it's community sufficiency. Um, in the beginning, we were really um, felt like, oh, we're just going to do everything. You know, we're going to do, we're going to grow all our own food and we're going to have our own vegetables and we're going to be off grid. And we, we were so excited about it, but we realized that you have to be patient and you have to know that not everything's going to happen at once. Mm-hmm. And we have realized that um, maybe we're not good at everything. So maybe we can't do everything ourselves, but maybe our neighbor across the street is really good at growing garlic. And so she can grow the garlic and we can grow the tomatoes and then we can trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that we love about Maine so much, and not to say that where we came from wasn't like this, but in Maine we really feel like everyone you meet is family. You know, no one treats you like... We don't feel that pressure that you have to compete for who has the most money. We just feel like people take care of each other here. Um, you know, one example that I've told the story of is um, we have a lot of rocks in our field. And we have a few neighbors that care a lot about the rocks in our field. And one morning I woke up and I was pregnant with my son at the time. And I could hear all this shouting out in the field. And I came out. And I've got two of my neighbors, one of which is 80 years old, who has been um, haying our field for, I don't know, 30 years, and another one of my neighbors, and they're talking about how they're going to get this rock out of our field. And I turned to them and I said, you know, it really makes me feel good that you guys are more worried about these rocks than we are. <laughs> and they ended up, the two of them, getting their tractors and getting this rock out of the field. And just they, people just care about each other. And uh-huh. so it's not, like I said, not just self-sufficiency. I, I do think self-sufficiency is really important, but community sufficiency for mm-hmm. me is important. Yeah, and I think that... Um, I'll have some other questions, more questions about the community piece, I think, as we, as we move along. I think that's kind of an essential, <clears throat> essential part of what goes on. Um, so in terms of uh, how do you, if you start to be, if you're thinking about resiliency and you're thinking about self-sufficiency, and then you think about how do you learn how to be self-sufficient or how do you learn the various skills that can make you resilient and not rely on others to do things for you. And I know simplification is a piece of that, but um, I'm just curious how you would go about 
learning some skills or probably always learning. I feel like that's kind of my approach at times, always learning. But um, Jason, I think I would ask, it seems like you've kind of grown up along the way, but thinking about how would you learn to do things for yourself? The, that ties in with the community. Um, you know, as Elizabeth said, you can't do everything sometimes, but virtually all the farmers around my area, uh, and Mofka could be included in that, are very free with their information and their knowledge. And I've learned more from peer to peer than any education ever could. Um, you know, Mofka is a wonderful place that can connect you with farmers and has ag services and there's so much information out there if you just ask and maine is a great place because people will give it to you sometimes if you even if you don't want it <laughs> so this seems like the community piece keeps coming up for sure for sure um and in terms of maybe making the decisions like kathy if i were to ask you like how do you um how do you decide what you're going to build your house out of? Or how do you decide what that house is going to look like? <laughs> do you have a, a plan and you're set up to the plan? Or are you going kind of material the, by material? The really fun, fun part and uh, overwhelming part of it is last winter, during that really challenging winter we had, we actually designed a beautiful house. And then just the way the way the path went is this house came into form. We had milled we had milled our own lumber um, mm -hmm. from trees from the land. A farmer friend down the road, he has the sawmill, and so we did a lot of bartering, a lot of trading, and we um, all of our just about all of our framing and some of the posts and beams in the house came from the land. Mm -hmm. um, so for you know for us it is too about just minimizing the waste, minimizing the impact um, to the to the land, to the environment. Um, and so so we we took we took that route and we um, for us it's too been about just sharing, sharing information with people. Certainly the house has created itself. Um, it's changed all along the way. We've it's pretty much designed itself based on the materials available, but it's also about just talking to people and telling them what we're doing and sharing, you know, what we're looking for and just simple little things. And the more you talk about it, the more the information, you know, flows and people learn what you're doing and want to learn more about what you're doing or have ideas for you and you can share ideas. And so then we gather different materials and then we figure out what to do with them next. <laughs> What are some of the materials, if I can ask? Um, yeah, so we have some of our flooring. Um, some of our flooring came from different job sites, different um, different people. We have um, some some kitchen drawers that were donated to us that someone else was doing a remodel job, and mm -hmm. these otherwise would have gone somewhere else or maybe wound up in a landfill. Yep. We do have some insulation that we're actually able to reuse. Uh, instead of purchasing new insulation, we acquired some drywall. A guy had it sitting around. He needed to get rid of it. And 
he just said it was for free. First person that came, a couple other people had shown interest, but it's also, you know, you just have to jump on it. You you yeah. don't you don't get a break. Yeah. You don't get to stop and think about it, really. Mm-hmm. It's like you just jump on it. And so we acquired some of that. Um, yeah. So more kind of found materials and coincidence kind of thing a lot of found materials a lot of free for the taking a lot of hard work and a lot of connecting um my partner is a carpenter and Mm -hmm. so he has some access to various materials but again we've gotten materials from a number of different places yeah sounds like you get to be creative with see something and figure out how that's going to fit into the home very much so and our woodshed actually from milling the lumber it's all our woodshed is made of slabs just Mm -hmm. left over from milling lumber and it's like otherwise you know and it's a pretty cool looking woodshed (laughs) i was going to tell you it's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) so elizabeth for you guys um built your own home a few 2013 yeah we didn't build it ourselves we used a local builder herman summers with american dream builders but um we tried to be involved with the building as much as possible Mm -hmm. but um those are two skills that we don't have Uh as much of i wish we we did i'm learning as i'm going okay and what about in terms of thinking about design of the house or yeah we also have a timber frame home Mm -hmm. Uh, most of the wood is from maine um Actually, pretty much all of the wood is from Maine. Um, we, um, yeah, we just kind of learned as we went along. We do look back um, in retrospect and wish we had thought um, more about the design and where we live. We live on the ridge in Appleton. It's very windy, mm-hmm. so, you know, insulating the home better. Um, originally, we really wanted to be off-grid. We wanted to do composting toilets, and we wanted to do solar, but um, it came down to... You know, with the mortgage, which um, I know you guys, Kathy, didn't do a mortgage, which is great because um, right. it was it was harder to do some of those off grid things. Yes. Um, yeah. With, with a mortgage. So. Yeah, the banks have some requirements. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if they're going to make an investment. And also, too, going back to like what we were saying before, like you can't do everything. We we want to do everything, but we just can't right now. Um, it doesn't to say that maybe in ten years' time we could put some solar panels on the house. You know, mm-hmm. we have thought about that and we have gotten quotes for that. But mm-hmm. just right now, we're trying to focus on the farm and building up the farm itself. So. Yeah. Okay. And Jason, was your farm? Was that family? family land for you it was but it had been passed down we purchased the land um you know cheap Mm -hmm. we built the house um i actually was in construction so i built the house myself but it's fairly conventional a lot of lumber off the land again but um and we did get a mortgage which i regret but (laughs) was necessary at the time um you know some of the things we as Elizabeth was talking about the mortgage, we put in a seven or eight thousand dollar boiler and yeah, I don't use never it. use it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it heats hot water and that's it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's some things that go along with that, but yeah, it's it's family land. My parents live on the same piece of property, uh, you know, quarter of a mile away. My brother lives on the same family land, although there are a couple of house lots between us that got sold off over the years. And, it's yeah people are close by yeah okay um well i'm going to take a minute just to remind listeners that you are listening to common ground radio and today we are talking about homesteading in maine and uh, self-sufficiency and 
learning and using uh, skills to be more resilient in the changing world. And guests, we have Jason Tessier from Skowhegan and Elizabeth Siegel from Appleton and Kathy Gaskin from Morrill. And I will let listeners know that uh, in a few minutes, we'll open up the phone lines for questions, probably in about five or six minutes or so. Um, but I wanted to get uh, maybe just a couple more pieces around just the home situation and get an idea about things like energy or electricity and water um, and just how those things are how those things are handled in your home, plans for the future. Um, I think, Kathy, maybe I'll jump to you just because you said you were lugging everything <laughs> in and out. So um, maybe we, we would start there and uh, how you manage some of those electricity and water types of issues. Right. Currently, currently we do. Um, because we are not taking out a mortgage and we're building out of pocket, uh, it's a slower process. And so it requires a lot of organizing and planning and um, paying really close attention to when we're running low on water. So we do have a few water jugs and we're able to, you know, gather water from some friends and family at this point. And um, so that that's actually not too bad, you know, a couple of weeks into it and it just becomes an, a, a normal routine, really, mm-hmm. and until until we're able to get a, a decent well. And um, in the sense of electricity, we we have we have a couple of battery powered lights. Um, we have a small generator. We run it very rarely because we realize there's not really that much that you need electricity for. Mm-hmm. Um, lights are beautiful. Lights are really nice. Um, charging our phones is important. Um, we both do work, and so we do we do we are able to you know charge some things that way as well. Yeah. We do have we did actually trade do some trading for a small single solar array system that's just got some d-cell batteries and a converter and so we can we can mm-hmm. have a little a little bit of electricity that way okay yeah all right and are you in the process of building are you running i'm just curious if you're running off of generators to be able to run saws or are you using hand tools <laughs> uh, we are using combination of everything there's okay. hand tools being used uh, battery powered battery powered tools um, and we do run the generator in the event that we need, like the, to run a compressor or something like that, yeah. something a little heavier duty. Yeah. But okay. we just don't like the sound of the, co- the generator. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so peaceful, so yeah, <laughs> minimal. Okay. Um, and I think for uh, Jason and Elizabeth, you guys are you running? You said you had plans for maybe getting yeah, some gonna- solar. Uh, solar, not just not right now, but yeah. we are going to put a big wood stove in our basement. We didn't. We talked about it, and that was another thing going back to, like, planning. We realized we wanted a wood stove, but we realized when we designed the house, we put so many windows in that there was no kind of place mm-hmm. to put the stove. So <laughs> we are now going to put it in our basement, mm-hmm. um, and that is the plan for this year because heating the house with propane has just been so expensive so yeah yeah and my husband's been working with our good friend out in the woods and clearing the land because we have um 23 acres of wood so we're trying to to clear a little bit of land and also harvest the wood so that we can um, rely on that more for for heat for heating Mm -hmm. okay all right and jason you mentioned that you heat yeah we heat with wood wood. we have a couple of wood stoves uh one is our heating stove and then we had another cook stove um, and we cook on that some. The we do 
we are on grid, so we have electricity, but we do rainwater collection. We have mm -hmm. livestock, and I'm going through 200, 220 gallons of water a day. So we, I've got, got our systems, and we try to collect as much as we can, and we pump what we need for the rest. We have a well, so. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and we have looked at solar, but that's expensive, and the storage is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know you have other operations happening at the farm, which I'll ask about maybe <laughs> in the next few. Yeah. In the next in the next section here, um, but I do want to let listeners know that we'll be opening up the phone lines here in the next minute, and the number to call in with any comments or questions. The toll free number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, and again we're talking about uh, homesteading here in Maine and self sufficiency and resilience skills. So I think at this point, <clears throat> I'd like to jump into kind of the food piece and ask you guys each a little bit about um, about food production. And I'll start, we'll go counterclockwise this way <laughs> this time, and I'll start asking uh, <clears throat> Elizabeth about just what you guys are growing on your own. And then, um, and I think the other piece with the trading with your neighbors, you mentioned the garlic and tomato trade there. Um, <laughs> I'd be curious to hear some more about those those yeah. operations as well. So the land that we bought, um, we did have an orchard on it, which is nice. They're an old, it's an older orchard, but they're uh, some great storage apples. So that's been really good for us. And when we bought the land, um, yeah, our intention was to grow fruits and vegetables. That's primarily what we were learning about, but we did want livestock as well. Mm -hmm. um, so we started off the first year with just a garden, about a quarter of an acre garden, and then we've increased that by about double. We put in a whole bunch of strawberries and other berries, and um, last year we built the barn, and now we are producing our, we have chicken and duck eggs. Um, we have some goats that we are getting milk from, and we want to get a dairy cow pretty soon. We're getting some lamb lamb as well, some mm -hmm. Katahdin lambs, so we can have some meat for ourselves. Um, and we do a small CSA share. Uh, we also are involved with the union farmers market. Um, I'm the secretary for the market, okay. so we, um, that's a, an amazing market. We do a lot with children uh, we have children's activities, and this year we're actually going to be accepting SNAP and EBT, mm -hmm. and that's been a real learning experience for me, um, how we can get um, local food to lower-income families. Yes. Um, and so that's been wonderful. We actually have, uh, we got a grant for the Harvest Bucks program, which basically means that um, if you come to the market with your SNAP or EBT card, you can actually purchase um, produce, uh, any of the produce. It doesn't have to be just fruits or vegetables. You can also buy dairy products or meat. But however much you spend, we're going to do a one-on-one -on -one match. So if you spend $20 um, on water buffalo and cheese, then we're going to give you an extra $20 that you can buy um, fruits and vegetables from our farms. So we're really hoping to... Um, open the, the farmer's market up to all families from all walks of life. And what was that program called this again? Is the, um, this is through the Maine Federation of Farmer's Market, and yep. it's um, funded by Wholesome Wave, and it is the Harvest Bucks program, um, and we're just accepting SNAP and EBT at the Union Farmer's Market, and that's on Fridays from 3 to 6, and starting May 20th, so I guess two weeks Ooh, from couple, today. A couple yeah. weeks down the road, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kathy, how about you guys in the in the woods and food production? <laughs> what are your thoughts around the food piece? 
Currently, we're not producing our own food. We did um, have a garden where we were previously. Uh, we had a, a rather large vegetable garden, and from there we were, you know, we used that to feed ourselves and learned a lot along the way about preserving and um, canning and um, did some trading with with vegetables that way for some labor here and there and so right now it's just in the building phases um mm -hmm. we are gonna um, we have a lot of limb debris from trees that had been previously cut before we had the land and so we're going to be creating some hugel mounds and just kind of planning planning a little bit about where we want to plant some fruit trees nut trees and the like we do have a few apple trees on the property right now um, and then maybe this fall, maybe dabbling. We really miss garlic, so hopefully we can plant some, <laughs> prepare a little space for that. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, Jason, you mentioned you have a bunch of livestock. Yep. and Yeah, we do primarily livestock. We have cattle and pigs and chickens and ducks. and um, We do have a garden. It's only for our own. We don't sell any uh, vegetables, but we canned about 400 jars last year, which is pretty much our year's you know, vegetables and whatnot. Um, and we sell meat at Skowhegan Farmer's Market. Um, and we started selling because we figured out oh, we've got great food and we wanted other people in the community to have access to it. Mm -hmm. um, so we do. Um, and we, that's why we started selling food, uh, you know, as farmers. Um, so we, and you can't do everything. We barter for a lot of our vegetables, you know, other farms in the area. I would say 75 or 80 percent of our food comes from within a mile of our, our house. Um, and we probably produce 50 percent of that. But the other 50 percent is just people in the area that are doing the same thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, as Elizabeth said, they do that well. So why should we try to kill ourselves doing everything? So, so some more of the community pieces there. Yeah, I will add that we have a butcher shop. It's a small farm exempt butcher shop. So the meat that we sell at the farmer's market never leaves our farm until it goes to the market for sale. Mm -hmm. And then direct to the consumer from there. Yeah. yeah. And do you have, um, do you sell right from yes, the we, farm? Yes, we also have a small farm store where we sell uh, meat. My wife also has a coffee roasting business, so we do uh, coffee and meat. Um, Right from the farm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what about um, in terms of uh, the butcher shop there, and are you doing other animals, other people's animals, just your own? We do. It's primarily we licensed it for ourselves. We do do other animal, uh, mostly rabbits for other people. Um, there is no place in Maine to get rabbits butchered for sale. Uh, except us, I believe, maybe Weston's and Gardner. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been doing a lot of those. Um, we did, we've been back and forth doing chickens, um, but where the laws are complicated, so rabbits are primary. Mm -hmm. And are you raising rabbits yourself or just? Yeah, we raise, I don't know, probably three, four hundred a year that we sell, okay. you know, at the farmer's market. And we raise, I don't know, Four or five hundred chickens, ducks, other poultry, mm -hmm. you know, for sale throughout the year. Okay. And when, and you go to the Skowhegan Farmers Market? Yeah, we only do the Skowhegan Farmers Market. And that's Saturdays from nine to, I don't know, one, I think. Okay. 
<laughs> and is that when does that start up? Is that that starts up this weekend? So, oh, all right. Yeah, this Saturday. So it's farmers market season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm wondering about in terms of uh, these skills, which I asked a little bit before, but um, I like to think about opportunities for opportunities that you guys see for learning new skills or opportunities that you guys would think about um, sharing the skills with others. Uh, if there are any opportunities for people that are interested in maybe learning a little bit more about how to do things for themselves, uh, how they would go about it. I think, Jason, you have seemed to help out people with some of the butchering aspects. Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, I, I guess I'll throw the plug in here for Farm and Homestead Day at Mofka. <laughs> that is a skill-sharing event. Uh, the, the primary focus of that event is to share skills with other people. It's hands-on. My wife and I do the same thing from our farm. We do butchering workshops, if you will, uh, pretty consistently throughout the year. Um, we, and we invite people to come to our farm anytime and see what we're doing. It may not be exactly what you want to do, but you mm -hmm. can certainly get some ideas. Um, and, you know, we think that's an important piece of our contribution to the community is helping other people to gain these skills. Okay. All right. And... Um, <clears throat> The Farm and Homestead Day event, are there other things that maybe Elizabeth and Kathy, are you involved in sharing some of those skills? Or? Yeah, um, I'm actually uh, helping with the children's track. We call it children of all ages, so um, it's a little bit geared towards children, but anyone can take part in the activities for it. And how I got involved with that is because um, I help um, Emily Lowell and Rebecca Gagne with the um, farm and with the in the farm and homestead area at the common ground fair we have a really great booth where we do children's activities things like grinding wheat into flour mm -hmm. making your own little um uh breads that the children like to make uh shaking up butter from cream and just showing them the whole process of where their food comes from so this year is my first year i'm going to be helping with farm and homestead day um, we also have a lot of um, children that are actually running their own workshops at farm and homestead day which is really cool um, we have a girl who's coming to make paper handmade paper we have one girl who's coming to do needle felting um, and we've just kind of it's funny when we sit down we all even though we have our own tracks that we're helping with with Farm and Homestead Day, we all kind of share people that we know that could come and do workshops. And it's all free. Um, it's a free event. So everyone who is running a workshop, no, no one's being paid. It's just everyone's volunteering their time um, just so that we can do exactly what we're talking about, which is just sharing skills. Um, yeah, Jason's wife and daughter are gonna do a rabbit um, butcher, right? And yep. they're gonna skin. They're gonna skin the rabbit. They're gonna butcher the rabbit, and then we're gonna use it in our stone soup that we're gonna make. Um, mm -hmm. It's a potluck lunch at Farm and Homestead Day. Okay. Um, and we are looking for volunteers. Um, I know with Common Ground Fair, we always get thousands of volunteers, but I don't think people know as much about Farm and Homestead Day. So if anyone would like to volunteer, um, I'm gonna be putting some information up on Facebook. Um, um, mm -hmm. But it's to contact Anna Libby at um, Mofka and just call them up and say you'd like to volunteer. We're going to need some help setting up like the Thursday and Friday before the event on June 11th. Um, and it would just be really great to 
get more and more people to learn about farm and homestead day because the common ground fair is obviously wonderful we all love it but it's a lot more um, of going to lectures um, there are some demonstrations but it's a lot more of listening and farm and homestead day is a lot more hands-on in fact it is 100 percent hands-on mm-hmm. um, you get and you a lot of the times you get to take something home with you you know you can come and do the worm vermicomposting uh, mm-hmm. workshop and you can yeah. take a worm bin home with you you can do the sourdough bread workshop and you can take a sourdough starter home with you mm-hmm. i think i saw some wood boxes there last year is that correct um like was that someone making wood boxes or wood boxes or uh, wood duck boxes oh I mean. yeah, yeah. They, the birds yeah. they're coming back this year yeah okay all right sounds like an interesting day um and I'll remind listeners again that this is Common Ground Radio, and we're talking about uh, homesteading and self-sufficiency here in Maine. Uh, the phone line is open if there are any uh, questions or comments that callers had, and that number is one 625 And I think to come back around, just think about... Um, what are maybe some of the challenges that you encounter along the way in terms of um, you know, hurdles that you had to get over to keep on moving forward or things that might be recurring or um, just thinking about what made some of the challenges in, in daily life in terms of managing kind of your own homestead and your own food supply and heat supply and things like that. Anything come to mind for you, Jason? Well, I... I think Maine is pretty diverse, and there's a lot of information out there, but it's getting harder and harder, in my opinion, to find the tools and the quality stuff that you need, um, you know, the simple things that, that if you have a dairy cow, you know, cream separators and butter churns and all the stuff that was so common years ago is getting harder and harder to find. And you can go on the Internet and you can order it and it comes in the mail, but half the time it's from China and it's a very poor quality. And mm-hmm. um, So that's a challenge that my wife and I have really, and some of the things we do, we have a hard time finding what we want because stuff for farming is built for a huge scale and stuff, you know, for our scale, our size operations is just not not available new really. And used is getting harder to com- come by mm-hmm. okay um <clears throat> and i imagine that uh in terms of scale i think it did, I, th- I would imagine it would be an issue with you don't need that large of a machinery or a tool or something that works on the smaller scale that you really need at home right right if we're uh, we do hay we do 75 acres of hay and you go in they don't make a 50 horse tractor anymore that's made for doing hay there Made mm-hmm. for mowing lawns and you know wheelbarrows. The you know I talked about the dairy stuff. It's they they don't make that stuff. Um, and when you do find it, it's it's of poor quality. Not like it was. We try to source from antique shops and vintage stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I find that you, money is way better spent buying old stuff. Um, but as I said, it's a little harder to find. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Kathy, how about for you guys? Any challenges along the way? Yeah. Gathering materials? <laughs> Many challenges um, along the way. And speaking just to our personal experience of this, I was in graduate school the past two years and just finishing up. And that itself was a challenge in the process of building this new lifestyle. And as well, we both um, 
Dan works full time and I work part time at this moment and you know having to work if you're going to choose to build something or create something without a mortgage without relying on a bank um, that takes a, a lot more time away from being on the homestead from spending your energy in that way um, which then relates to the money aspect of it and really being frugal with the money and how that works um, in the winter time, it's you know when you're only heating with a wood stove and your house is not entirely insulated, you're up you're up throughout the night. So mm -hmm. rest is important, entirely <laughs> important. And at certain times of the year, it's um, very very little of it is gained. So okay, yeah. Well, it looks like we have a caller on the line. We have Margaret from Orland. If you'd like to go ahead with your comment or question, Margaret. <coughs> uh, yeah. Um I was just thinking that one piece of this whole discussion is uh, how to get loans that um, aren't uh, confiscatory. Um, I know that there's a movement in Maine to make uh, a loan structure for uh, people homesteading and farming, uh, small farms, uh, that's more reasonable for such folks. Um, I don't know all the details, but I, I would think Mosca does, and there, I would like to see you have a whole program on that. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of this uh, couple in Moral, I believe it is. It's, I think she just spoke uh, that are really starting out. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm a person who uh, I'm on the other end. I mean, I'm too old, old to get involved in these sorts of enterprises of homesteading. Uh, although I always dreamed of doing that. <clears throat> um, and, but I do have some money, and um, I'm looking for ways to invest it in uh, projects that I think are, are worthy. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so I'd, be, uh, <clears throat> I'd appreciate to talk to this woman if, uh, if we could have a conversation about how to do that uh, <clears throat> in a very affordable way. Excuse me. Oh. So uh, uh, that would—that's my offering today. Okay, Margaret. Is there? I'll let Kathy speak. Well, <laughs> wow, um, <laughs> that's incredibly generous of you, Margaret. And I would love to have you out to visit and see what we're doing. And I would love to um, talk more about that because I do think it's very important for people um, who don't want to be tied down for 30 years to a mortgage and but really feel passionate about you know moving in a different direction uh, good well um, you know Matt knows my telephone number so you could just get it from him perfect that sounds and great then you can contact me I will I will do that okay all right thank you thank you thank you for the call Margaret um. And if there are any other calls or com questions or comments, callers or listeners can call in at one 625 9378 And we're talking about homesteading and resilient skills and um, interesting sense of community. Following up after that, after that phone call. Um, we were talking a bit about some challenges, and I don't just think jumping over to you, Elizabeth, about any challenges along the way. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I think there's a lot you could say about the challenges. I mean, there are the everyday challenges. There are the overall challenges. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things is just, you know, 
looking at yourself and your own limitations, um, realizing what you are capable of and what kind of going back to what I was saying, like, I think uh, my mother and I and I, my mother-in-law and I were talking about this the other day, you know, a lot of the times you think you can, sometimes you think you can save money by doing things yourself. And I think it's a fine line of recognizing when you need a little bit of help sometimes too, you know, and we've done that a lot so many times where we can think back and say you know what we shouldn't have jumped in and spent all that money doing that Mm -hmm. we should have waited and then we would have realized that um, there's a slower way to do it you know for example and uh, one example i can give you is that when we bought our land the field had been fallow for a long time and so we decided that we needed to right then and there um you know reseed it so we wanted to because we had some severe bed straw so we, we thought mm-hmm. okay we'll you know reseed it we'll put some buckwheat down and then we'll reseed it to some nice perennial ryegrass and some clover and some timothy and so we spent a lot of money doing that and we hired some contractors that we learned since that we shouldn't have hired and um afterwards after the fact we went to many workshops at um you know mafka and at the fair and i remember going to these workshops and they were talking about you know the ways that you can do it that cost less money take more time you know like overgrazing and then reseeding mm-hmm. and um so a lot of the times i think the biggest challenge is just um not knowing you know not having the knowledge and thinking that when you especially when you have a little bit of money saved up um, you know, your little nest that you can invest in certain areas, it's like, you don't know, should I spend it? Should I not spend it? And then when you do, sometimes you look back and you think, oh, I wish I'd known back then that I could have done this instead. And it might have taken longer, Mm -hmm. but in the long run, it wouldn't have cost me as much and it would have done a better job. Mm -hmm. So I'd say the biggest challenge is just your own limitations, I think. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's a learning curve no matter where where you are in the process, I would imagine. Um, so that would bring me to the kind of the follow-up after challenges, as usual, is some of the success pieces. And I think um, if I could ask kind of each of you maybe the, what, a, what kind of a, uh, an example of a success maybe or a point where um, during your day it's kind of like that gratification where you say something that tells you this is why I'm doing this because whatever that story may be. Um, so the, the feel-good kind of piece of the day. Jason, I'll ask you first if the, what, the, what that gratification is. The, the best part for me, uh, Maine Maple Sunday, we had 900 people go through our farm. Um, the best part for me is when a customer walks up and just says thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of people out there that like the homesteading. They like the idea of it. They maybe are doing some of it themselves. They can't supply all their own food and they want good food and they're they're relying on people like us and that's the that's really the best part for me um the only exception to that would be my children I, when i see them my 12 year old works in the butcher shop doing chickens when i see a 12 year old girl that has those skills and those abilities nothing can compete with that mm-hmm. that seems pretty strong <laughs> <laughs> um kathy how about i jump over to you in terms of that success, that feeling of gratitude as things move along. Yeah, um, we dreamt for many years about this and a lot of preparation went into this for many years, just beginning to gather materials and just even just really having an imagination. And we're there now and while there's a, a 
a lot of challenges and it's really tough and at the same time it is at the end of the day you're sitting outside around the fire and it's just it's peaceful it's just rejuvenating just Mm -hmm. to sit there and to be that connected to the land and that connected to the woods and to the earth and um, to really have a connection with what you're doing by living in this house that's a job site that you're building along the way and you get you get this different different relationship with what you're doing and at the same time I think of a big success within that process is also being able to share it with other people um, and to just have conversations with other people about what we're doing and we talk to people from all walks of life and and some people have just don't understand it at all and it's so it's so fun because they're still interested and you just get to share that with people and then people learn about what you're doing and they you know want to they want to get involved in some way and so mm-hmm. it's just this nice reciprocal relationship that happens yeah people like to hear the stories yeah well how about elizabeth for you guys um i think it's interesting moments. yeah i mean I would definitely agree with what um, Kathy and Jason were saying. You know, the effect that you have on people is probably one of the most rewarding feelings that you can have. You know, when we I moved to Maine, and then um, a year later, my mother decided to move from California to Maine. And my sister has just bought the house across the street from us, and her plan is to move to Maine. <laughs> and my mother's brother is planning to move to Maine. And my father, after traveling the world for 15 years, is finally going to settle and move in Ma- to Maine. Yeah. So I think it's like when you realize that, like you were saying, Kathy, that these choices that you're making for your life, they're not just affecting you, they're affecting all the, these people around, the people around you and making not just your life more meaningful, but the people around you, their lives more meaningful. Um, you know, my, we just had our son, so he's only five months old, but I mean, we're only just starting to experience all these moments that Jason is talking about. But just the other day I was weeding, you know, in the strawberry patch and planting some new strawberries and just the fact that my son was able to just take a nap under an apple tree while I'm planting strawberries is mm-hmm. just what a, an amazing feeling to have that, you know. And I have a lot of family in the city in New York and um, looking forward to them coming out to the farm and experiencing this for their children because I think we're just so blessed, so blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a nice daycare program. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that. Nature's good like that. <laughs> um, well, we're getting into the kind of final minutes of the show. If there are any last-minute call or questions from listeners, the number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625 In the final minutes here. And I think that I just, as we kind of wrap up, try to circle back around to, um, to resources for people if they're looking to learn some more skills. So uh, if you want to reiterate any of the possible ways that people could learn some skills or build on this community. Um, I think um, we would love it if everyone would come out on June 11th, um, Farm and Homestead Day at Mofka, same place as the Common Ground Fair. Um, It's going to be an amazing event. It is 100% free, doesn't cost you anything, and you can take home with you some amazing skills. You can take home with you actual physical things that you create at the event it's going to be a great community sharing event we're going to have a big potluck we're going to have tea and crumpets in the morning and we just want everyone to just show up and we're really excited about it 
And you had mentioned you guys were looking for some volunteer assistance. Yeah, um, as many volunteers as we can get would be great. Okay. We and have free T-shirts for all volunteers. Oh, fabulous. And um, is that a kind of set-up day before and day of? Yeah, I think Thursday and Friday. If you just call up the um, the fair and you just uh, call up Mafka, sorry, and ask um, for Anna Libby, or, uh, we can get her contact information for you for mm-hmm. that. Um, then okay. we can get that set up. And that... Um, that seems like we're wrapping up the end of the show here. Uh, we were talking about homesteading in Maine and resilient skills, self-sufficiency. I'd like to thank Jason Tessier from Skowhegan for being with us here today and Kathy Gaskin from Morrill and Elizabeth Siegel as well from uh, Appleton. Appreciate you guys all coming in for the show. And, <clears throat> and uh, I'd like to thank Amy Brown for being the engineer for the show today. And to our listeners, um, remember that Common Ground Radio is here on the first Friday of every month from 10 to 11 a.m. And thank you for joining us today, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. Support for WERU comes from our listeners 